So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Delighted to be here. I was thinking this morning, every time I've ever connected with you, you're smiling, you're positive, you're Mr. Optimism. So I wasn't surprised when I asked you last week if you're familiar with positive psychology, but I was surprised to your professional and personal connection to Dr. Clifton and of course Gallup, which is part of your career. I'd love for you to unpack for our audience here your connection to Dr. Clifton and maybe even how you met your wife and your decision to go there versus law school. You bet. So uh, just delighted to be with you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to take uh, your viewers back to ancient history. 1981, I was studying to be an attorney, which I, I guess would have been a perfectly fine profession. But in my uh, last year of college, I met uh, Don Clifton, Dr. Donald O. Clifton, who was the founder of a company at that time called SRI in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is where I was studying. And uh, uh, through a mutual connection, I, uh, I w became acquainted with Don. And uh, as he began to tell uh, me about his business, I, I said, well, what kind of business you're in? And he said, well, Mark, you know, we're in the we're in the research business and we're in the business of helping people to discover and develop their strengths. But that's that's really not our mission. And and that kind of took me aback. I, I didn't really understand. I'd never heard a business person talk in that way. And he said, you know, our mission is to help people be heard and to help people discover and develop their special uniquenesses, the things that they've been gifted and do that in a meaningful kind of work environment. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of got caught up in that. And uh, much initially to the chagrin of my parents who uh, thought, you know, they weren't quite sure what I was going into, but uh, later on uh, fell in love with Don and, and this career. And so uh, they trained me in, in graduate school uh, to become a, a senior researcher. And then uh, along the way, I, uh, I met this uh, lovely uh, woman, Nancy, who uh, at, at uh, Gallup, and uh, we've been married now going on 38 years. And so a lot of my personal and professional life is, uh, is uh, you know, designed uh, and my path uh, as a result of my meeting with uh, really, you know, one of the founders of Positive Psychology. And I, I spent 10 good years there and was uh, looking for another opportunity, something where I wasn't on the road as much. We'd started a family. And uh, Don said to me back in the 90s, he said, you know, Mark, you're, you're kind of a, you know, you, you like recognizing people, have a, you know, that kind of personality. And he, he knew of a local uh, recognition business that was up for sale. And I, I came from a retail background and um, I, I thought a lot about that. He said, maybe that would be something that you should do. Well, uh, it took me 20 years to, uh, to finally get to where Don thought should be my next step, which is my current employer in, at uh, called BI Worldwide here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And that's a, a big part of what we, we do. So uh, I finally made it, Don. I'm a slow learner, uh, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's my career. And it's just been a wonderful place to, uh, to spend, uh, spend what I, I will probably be the fourth quarter of my, uh, my career doing uh, great things and helping to people to be you know, recognized and, and celebrated in the workplace. That's fantastic. And, and Mark, we, the words you said, you got caught up or you got caught by this idea of positive psychology and strength. You know, um, it was about six years ago that I read Sean Aker's Positive Psychology and I was exposed to Dr. Seligman and Gallup. And since then, my life wasn't the same. And it could be that I'm not very good. I'm not good at many things, right? There may be a few where I'm really good. And the idea that I have the permission to focus on the things that I'm great at and or good at to make them great. And on this journey, I've met folks that once they're exposed to positive psychology and then they look at the current workplace and the lack 
of what is common sense is not common action in the workplace, uh, which is where, Mark, I'd like to take us next is talk, even though the conversation will be on the future, people initiatives, I'd like to talk about the current landscape. And you and I touched on the great resignation. We talked about this new term, quiet quitting, and then you introduced me to great assessment, reassessment. Mark, let's reflect on the current landscape uh, before we dive further into positive psychology. You bet. So uh, obviously, <clears throat> a number of things have been happening in the last uh, three years, whether it be, you know, the pandemic, um, uh, the, the things that happened at 38th in Chicago here in Minneapolis in my home uh, hometown with George Floyd. Um, you know, lots of, of significant societal upheavals uh, that have impacted uh, the workplace. And, um, you know, one of those being a, a concept that has uh, come into um, the, the nomenclature, the, the so-called great resignation. Um, it's a term that has been around for a few years, but popularized here just about a year ago. Um, that that actually has been around for, for many, many years, uh, 20 so years ago, a colleague of mine who came out of the military uh, described uh, folks, uh, the term he used was uh, retired while on active duty, <laughs> which I thought was a really good uh, imagery in terms of people who, who weren't necessarily leaving the organization, but not also leaning in and providing their best effort and contributing uh, you know, in, in additional ways, which is kind of, you know, what we're trying to do, obviously, in engaging and inspiring folks. And so that that's become, uh, you know, something that companies have been thinking about. Um, and and so quiet quitting, uh, the great resignation are, are things that, that we've been studying for quite some time, which essentially are uh, folks are, are not as happy in their workplace. They, they, and there may be various kinds of things culturally that are impacting, you know, them to be, you know, demoralized even in some ways. And, you know, aside from the fact that that obviously has tremendous impact on the productivity and retention of associates, you know, it just it just hurts uh, me to know that there are people, you know, going to work every day in jobs where they're not appreciated, they're not valued, they're not given the opportunity to utilize their strengths in the workplace. And so, uh, you know, I think the 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 pandemic and and uh, you know what happened with Mr. Floyd, you know, in in some ways sort of amplified some conversations. I think we probably should have been having anyway about what kind of workplaces we should have, but just and then add in now uh, that we are, uh, you know, literally at full employment. Employers are are having you know tremendous difficulty you know attracting people. There there are more job openings than there are applicants according to what's going on. And so I think this is this is really forcing the hand of employers to say, you know, what can we do to build an awesome workplace where people can utilize their strengths, where they can do work uh, with collaborative teams, where they, they enjoy working together and, you know, can tussle things around in a productive way. And that when they achieve good things, they, they are properly recognized and rewarded for, for that effort. And so, you know, in some ways, obviously, all of these very, very difficult things have had many, many negative consequences. But I do think this has given lots of employers the opportunity to say, what, what are we trying to offer to people here at work? And how can we be better and utilize some of those basic principles of, of Marty Seligman and Don Clifton and others uh, that have many years ago, I think, foretold where we should be he ultimately heading uh, in creating uh, engaging, inspiring workplaces. Totally. There's this holy grail of how do we reach potential, human potential in the workplace? Right. And then there's the current state. And what, what you just mentioned, and, and I think it's it worth 
us just quickly highlighting things were bad before the pandemic. The disengagement just it was it was awful already. And it was now magnified by I, I don't even know what margin, right? Be, between the fact of that 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 it's really um, talent market right now is difficult for organizations, so folks know this, they understand it, but also there's the stress, anxiety, political, as you mentioned, social, cultural, economic. You 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 mention a topic, and that is all part of the mindset that we're seeing in organizations today, and uh, it is an opportunity for organizations. But I also think the leverage there is pain. Pain. like Because companies often, they, they don't act, right, because it's the right thing to do. They may overlook it and they may have the desire to have an initiative. They may talk about a town hall. They may bring in a speaker. But ultimately, they're going to act out of necessity. Not all organizations. Not all. So right now, I think that let's start with how is this current state impacting performance of the organizations? Because we understand they track it. They track their KPIs. They're important. Mark, how important is the current mindset and the current level of whether it's quiet quitting or, or reassessment or, the, or, or, you know, how is that all impacting performance of the organizations? You know, we, we have a number of organizations that we're working with, for example, and I'll, I'll just for purposes of illustration, um, some uh, 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 quick service restaurants, uh, for example, and, and they are, are just having tremendous difficulty uh, hiring and retaining staff. And uh, you, you, we probably have seen this. I, I know I've run across it several times where I've gone to a restaurant and, you know, they, 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 their hours have been uh, uh, depleted because, uh uh, uh, you know, the restaurant's closed at, at, at some times when it should be open because they, they can't properly staff. We've seen this um, in, in various industries, automotive, for example, where, um, you know, they need service technicians and there's more work to be done than there are service technicians. And so if they can find and retain, you know, people to, to turn wrenches, to, to fix our cars and, and that, um, you know, the business is out there. And so these are some of the challenges. It's not a matter of that, that there isn't opportunity in the marketplace to create and develop and maintain customers, but it's just becoming more clear uh, that, again, the demographics are, are one thing, but, but also what's becoming clear is, is that there are certain employers who are very much setting themselves apart because they, they have realized that, that they need to lean into this and create a very different kind of work experience than maybe what uh, happened before. And so that's that's really the the interesting thing that I think a lot of companies are saying. Well, you know, why are why are we losing good people to that company? Well, that's because that company is is leaning in and saying, you know, we've got an experience uh, that will fit what's important to you. And I think I think more more folks that uh, that I've talked to um, are saying, you know, they're they're being pickier, and and they can be picky because uh, there are, uh, it, it is very much uh, an employee's market out there. And so uh, finding that value proposition that attracts the kind of folks that you want to attract, uh, just again, truly mission critical and, and inextricably linked to, to the bottom line. And so these are our conversations that are absolutely happening at the highest levels of every company that we've had an opportunity to work with, because it is, it is, uh, we would figure out this problem, or if we don't figure out this problem, um, it's going to, to, you know, meaningfully impact uh, the bottom line. And, and it, there's common sense to this, looking at from an employee perspective, 
the employee experience perspective? Would you go to an organization that's going to, you know, just keep you to getting one to three done? Or will you look at an organization that cares about your growth, that cares about your potential, that's that's deploying the latest ways in order for you to be on the path toward reaching, again, I'll use the term, your your full potential. Um, so, so I'd like to go there next, Mark. And, and as I was reading through, through the collateral that you've sent and the case studies, I started to think about you guys in almost like a recognition scientist. Um, and, and specifically, let, let's start with why recognition, why give recognition such importance in, in the world of, of creating change and employee experience? Well, if you if you go back into uh, the literature that again, uh, Dr. Clifton and Dr. Seligman and others uh, have been uh, working on, uh, you know, our our brain is very much one where um, you know we we we, there, we we fill we have vacuums, and if we're not sure about something, uh, we we fill things in that vacuum, and and sadly, just human nature and evolutionary psychology would say we we tend to to do that in in the negative. We think, oh, I'm I'm probably doing a horrible job. I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the worst employee they've ever had when, when in fact that may not be the case. And so what, what we're doing when we, you know, truly and meaningfully celebrate people's successes, um, we're, we're, we're fighting that kind of evolutionary um, psychology and say, no, 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 you're, you're doing well. And, and what we found is, is that that sort of affirmation, even in, in the smallest things can make a significant difference. So for example, um, we found uh, in our research that when new associates are recognized um, and, and that that just has a significant impact on their inspiration and their ability uh, to contribute and, and stay with the organization. And in, in one of the studies, I, I was really interested. We I saw kind of the the overall uh, quantitative results, but we also had gotten some uh, commentary uh, from from newer associates, and I was, you know, kind of interested in like, okay, you know, somebody's been here for sixty days. What, you know, what 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 could they have achieved? You know, they I found the cafeteria. You know, I was I was just I was just you know truly interested, and we dug into this and and found that. Uh, you know, people getting recognized like, oh, Adam, you know, I can't believe, you know, we were so far behind on this project for a client and the client was very concerned. You came in and immediately began to make an impact and we're back on track and our client is happy. You know, thank you, Adam, for, for you know, leading in. So so I, I think, you know, just throughout the entire employee experience, including with, with new associates, with with more tenured associates, maybe we think, oh, you know that that old geezer Mark, he's been around for a while. You know, he's fine. He doesn't need to be recognized. Well, no, Mark still needs to be recognized, and 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 it just it, it really fires in us some very emotional kinds of things that that you cannot get, you know, through through other things. And so so um, you know that that part of, of of recognition we found along the way can can meaningfully. Uh, impact um, success. And one of the studies I, I sent you with, uh, we, we were very fascinated with a, a large retailer where uh, we found that that recognition and not just recognition, but recognition that was aligned and supported to their corporate values um, actually predicted uh, better uh, same store sales and, and customer satisfaction. And, and what we again learned was it's not just recognition, but like, you know, you did this well. You know, you leaned in in this kind of way to help, you know, a customer who was upset and um, associates, again, you know, have that vacuum. And so when we fill that and, and the associate says, oh, 
you know, <laughs> that's what you want. Okay, I can do that and repeat that uh, that behavior more more effectively. And again, uh, that study that I sent you uh, very much verified that. So that's why, you know, folks think, oh, you know, just recognizing people, I'll, I'll do that if I don't have anything else better to do and, and whatnot. Uh, we, we need to lose that mindset and realize that it is a tool amongst many, many other important tools, but a tool that if properly used and, and properly focused, uh, absolutely can make a significant impact on, on the business results um, organizations desire. There's so much brilliance there, Mark, because I, what I want to highlight for a second and just, just pause there is that our default is kind of this negative Tetris. It's our survival mechanism, right? The folks, you know, back in the day, our ancestors, if they saw the trees move and they were curious what's coming out, right? They're not here anymore because, you know, uh, nature they took its course so we buy through to survive we assume the negative right and now we're living in this world that's considerably different and what you're saying is recognition is our way maybe a way not the way or one of the ways for us to be very intentional i even looked up the definition of recognition kind of seems self-evident but i did look it up and it's acknowledgement of something's existence just taking a moment to recognize some things exist. Well, you know, you've made this impact or you've created, you yourself are not going to be able to see it. You need someone else to be the one. And more importantly, not just someone else. Peers are good. But where I'd like to check in with you, Mark, is what's the importance of the manager when we think about recognition? What is their role? You bet. Um, I, I'm a, a student of classical languages, which probably don't, you know, help in in a lot of ways. But if you look actually at the derivation of of recognition, it, it is to receive um, and to see again things. And and oftentimes as managers, they they see those things, but need to see them again. Uh, in, in terms of documenting that uh, in some kind of way, either a written letter or uh, maybe, you know, some kind of uh, economic value attached to, to something to say, you know, I, I, did, I did see you, I, I didn't miss that. And, and uh, what we found, uh, just one, uh, a couple of things here, but, but one uh, study that we found was that um, leaders who recognized line managers those line managers were more likely to recognize their associates, uh, which is evidence of what uh, the so-called contagion effect. And so, uh, you know, executives can set the tone that then leaders will follow, um, and then that that will contribute to uh, recognition at, at an associate level. And so, so you know, those are some things that we kind of think about culturally. The other thing that we do um, is, is just a question. Um, you know, mindsets or attitudes that leaders might have. Uh, one of them that uh, just came up recently, and, and uh, I, I stole this shamelessly from Dr. Clifton. I was uh, with a group of leaders, and we were talking about recognition, and uh, an individual in the group raised a hand and, and asked a, a very, you know, serious uh, question, thoughtful question, and, and said, Mark, you know, I, I, I think I'm with you on this recognition thing, but, you know, I, I, I worry that if I recognize people too much, you know, it, they might take it, they might go to their heads, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh, I, I recalled what Don lovingly uh, did in a similar kind of group many, many years ago. He said, well, let, let me just think about that for a minute. Okay, in this group, and there were, you know, 100 managers in this group, I said, you know, any, anybody suffering from too much recognition, just, you, you know, raise your hand. <laughs> did anyone raise their hand? 
Oh, and they, they never do, uh, Adam. And, and we laughed and, and I, you know, in, in the good spirit, uh, the gentleman took it in, in good uh, stead. And I said, okay, you know, could, could we recognize people too much if we're not, you know, really tying it to some specific behaviors, if it's, you know, for, for things that are, are unimportant outcomes, sure. But, but there is, I, I guarantee you, a dearth of opportunity of, of things where we're missing, where people are doing, you know, again, even small, you know, progress toward a goal where we can affirm that progress and they're going to be more likely, according to the research, to achieve that goal. We can celebrate our top performers and do that in a meaningful way where they're more likely to stay with our organization versus going to the comp competition. And again, uh, the research that we've done and many, many others that 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 just that case has been settled. And so uh, but but still uh, some of the attitudes that maybe folks have, and, and in some cases we found that those managers um, have attitudes that they learn from from another manager who uh, brought those mindsets. And so, uh, just really, you know, thinking through those things with managers and helping them to to understand that there is tremendous opportunity to engage and inspire their associates with, you know, really meaningful uh, recognition, and in doing so. Um, can advance uh, their team and their organization's uh, uh, productivity and, and uh, strategic goals. And Mark, you said the word meaningful. Uh, you know, it's interesting because when my first career was investment banking, and um, I had my butt kicked every day, there was no recognition, and there was no expectation of recognition. And, uh, you know, just thinking some of the f managers that grew up in that era, and there are many of them, are entering this new era, and there are probably some who say, amazing, this is exactly how it should be. I, I already praise my kids when they do well, and, and I practice that in my life. And there are probably some all the way in the other spectrum. Absolutely not. right? To warrant my recognition, you're going to have to go above and beyond, set unreasonable goals, and then go beyond those goals. And maybe in five years from now, I'll say, great job. But vast majority, I would imagine, are somewhere in between. Right. And uh, there are many managers who you ask them to recognize they will. But do they, do they mean it? Right. What does it mean? There's maybe there isn't a good or bad recognition, but there's certainly meaningful and meaningless recognition. Right. Thank you for the report over and out. Or thank you for the report. I can see what it took and you went beyond above and beyond and you connected it to our vision and value. There, talk to me, Mark, about how does a manager make a meaningful recognition? Well, uh, a, a wonderful question, Adam. And as, as the, that great philosopher and comedian George Burns says, sincerity is an important quality. If you can fake that, you can do anything. Uh, and and uh, no, we can't fake it. it. It absolutely has to be sincere. Um, and um, what we found is that um, uh, people uh, like to be recognized in, in different kinds of ways so that as a manager can find out some of those things. I'll give a personal story. Uh, the manager who brought me into the firm I met, who, who's now retired and, and still a dear friend, 
um, he, he found out that um, although I do lots of public speaking and whatnot, I, I actually prefer recognition more in, in private with someone in this particular case, my manager who I cared about. And so, you know, we, we found a great deli here in the Twin Cities that, you know, when I had, uh, you know, some success, we, we went out to lunch together. And I can, you know, many of these are years and years ago, Adam, and I can still recall very fondly those that that was meaningful to me. Someone else might like to be on the stage. Someone else you know, might like various kinds. So, so to the degree, uh, and this again is very much uh, from what uh, Dr. Clifton uh, again proclaimed around, you know, individually individualizing our approach to managing people and, and whether that be how people learn or how they're recognized or that, oh, you have this particular strength, Adam, let's figure out how we can utilize your strength in the team versus Mark having a different strength and we can utilize that. That sort of, that notion of individualization that Dr. Clifton so very much, um, you know, espoused and, and again, the literature very, very clear if we, if we stop you know, treating people, uh, you know, management by cookie cutter and just, you know, stamping out things and really finding out, you know, what are the uniquenesses, including, you know, how people prefer to be recognized. Uh, again, that's that's one of the, those things can go from something that is perfunctory to, to truly meaningful and inspirational in a way uh, that uh, that folks will remember that uh, forever. And, and that's interesting. So when we think about the importance of recognition and we think about managers are different and their team members, their their reports are different. Um, we also know there's so much on the managers, right? It, it frozen middle or there's so many terms to, 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 to focus on how we describe because they have from the top, of course, the pressures and, of course, and from those who are reporting to them. Um, how do we think about Mark enabling the managers? What's their workflow? And in the context of common senses and common action, right? If more information was the answer, we'd all have perfect abs and be billionaires. And it's not just about the information. It's how to go beyond and how do we activate it? So what can we do, right? And when I say we, we as the organization, what can those that are listening to this, whether they're in L&D, change management, innovation, HR, operations, what can they do to enable the managers? You know, Adam, one of the things that, that uh, I, I've really uh, valued in my 40 plus years now uh, is uh, the, the potential for, for technology to support some of these things. Uh, you know, when I started, we didn't have opportunities to, to use technology in, in various kinds of ways. And, and, and technology won't solve all of our problems, to be sure. But uh, there's a lot going on. Maybe you've seen uh, there's a wonderful uh, report that came out from Gartner that showed how, um, you know, we, we, we started out, you know, trying to predict things uh, in terms of outcomes, which is really good. But, you know, going more to the next level of saying, okay, can we, once we predict like that recognition makes a difference and then say, for example, going back to the early illustration that recognition predicts um, the effectiveness of helping to onboard new associates. Well, the, then the next level is to, to to go from a predictive to prescriptive, you know, to, to offer managers, you know, little nudges um, and, and information to say, hey, you know, uh, uh, Adam, Mark has been on board now for a, a month. Is there something in particular that you might want to call out in terms of his 
um, success, those kinds of things. Um, because, you know, managers, to be sure, are, are busier than they've ever been. You know, more direct reports, uh, you know, Peter Drucker back uh, in the in the late 50s when he wrote Concept of the Corporation, uh, you know, the average, uh, you know, supervisor had five employees. <laughs> you know, those those days are gone, right? And, and so, uh, yeah, uh, to try to uh, enable these kinds of things can be helpful. Uh, but then I, I still think some old-fashioned uh, uh, leadership um, that we know from a best practices point of view, and this is true in any kind of initiative uh, in, inside an organization, as you well know, that when leaders are actively involved in this process, uh, when they are going beyond George Burns and, and being real sincere, and, and again, I think importantly, helping to build the business case that, that we're doing this, uh, not just for check the box, but but when we uh, celebrate successes for people, you know, that really ultimately helps, you know, the individual feel more, you know, valued uh, and not just a cog in the wheel. Uh, it also helps uh, for our organization. And so I think it's it's a combination of both the, you know, high high tech and high touch uh, and and uh, a lot of good work uh, where where most of the companies that we see are really leaning into this are are again, um, outpacing their their competition. And let's draw a direct line here from, you know, all the way from a, a small action, how it leads to organizational performance. And, and in some way, it's really thinking about organizational perform, performance connected to individual behaviors. Um, and, and multiple times, Mark, you mentioned onboarding. Right. I actually have here the book for the first 90 days from Michael Watkins. He's going to be jo joining the conversation here in a couple of weeks as well. Um, and, and early wins, right? How do we get folks to start that relationship in the right way as, as any relationship? It's important how you begin it. So, Mark, let's take it from, you know, I joined the organization, right? The manager is taking a moment to give me a meaningful meaningful recognition that is authentic and real this isn't a check the box this isn't i i saw pop up it maybe reminds me but i delivered in a way that's very real and we're saying from that we go all the way to performance right and what kind of performance could we talk about that performance being they're now able to um, deliver faster their onboarding gets them to be more effective could it be revenue could it be customer service mark which which of these performance uh, measurements can i look at if if we nail recognition you bet so with with regard to the onboarding process at least from what we've seen and <laughs> uh, deferring to the expertise of your of your upcoming speaker but some of the things that we've seen that when we're again using recognition as part of, uh, again, a more comprehensive onboarding process. Uh, what the literature, at least that I'm familiar with, says we're, we're really trying to solve for two things. We, we, we don't want un unavoidable turnover, that we hire somebody and then for some reason they become disillusioned, demoralized and say, whoops, this is not for me and they leave. And obviously, you know, the, the expenses of, of recruiting and retaining uh, someone and then them leaving are, are very, very high. Um, some of the studies I've seen, you know, uh, the equivalent of two to three times a person's salary just walked out the door. So so there's, you know, real costs uh, that are affected with that. But then the second one uh, is, is you know, time to competency is a term that's oftentimes used of, you know, that that point uh, in, uh, in, in a new associate's life where they, they get up and say, 
you know, I got this. <laughs> I feel confident enough to go out into the marketplace or do my job in a way. Uh, one uh, project that we did with a client, um, we were helping them to onboard some new sales reps. And uh, in sales, of course, there's a the very, very clear outcome variable of, you know, sales, customer satisfaction, that sort of thing. They onboarded a, a group of new salespeople. And about this time, they were actually launching a new product. And, and with a, a better, more robust onboarding program for these new associates coming in, they actually outsold the, the, the tenured salespeople in this new product. And so, you know, if you do this right and build a, a true experience for which, you know, again, a lot of other things need to be happening, but as people are making progress, we're acknowledging that, we're celebrating those successes, you know, course correcting uh, and coaching also as we need to do that, uh, absolutely those kind of, you know, better retention, uh, speed to pro productivity, and then in one case, you know, the, 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 new, the new folks on the block uh, uh, beating the, the, the tenured folks, uh, quite, quite a remarkable outcome when we really think about these things intentionally. Mindset matters. Being inspired matters. Like I, I know if you know if I go through weeks where you know negative encouragement, my ability to perform is is uh, is, is awful, and then quite quite the opposite happens. As a, as you build up, you pick up momentum. It's like a a game when I played when I was younger, a, a basketball game. Every time you score and it, you make it, you get, become more on fire until the point where you can throw the ball for all the way from the opposite side of the. Of the court, but Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some some harder question here. So so in your experience, when we talk to executives and organizations, some get it, some don't. Okay, and I want to talk about the ones who don't get it. And when I say get it, from a importance of recognition, from importance of pursuit of strength, and and the potential that we started this conversation with, um, what do you do? What do you do in those cases? Will they get it? Are there some where you've seen they they turn and and they go oh my goodness you know that this is the way to go or or is it about a, a time when new executives are going to join the organization uh, or is it that you find a champion and you work with the champion what do you do to introduce something like this into an organization that is probably by default full of skeptics and and full of let's call them just what it is naysayers let's just work here. Right. This is about getting work done. As I grew up in this organization, we didn't discuss any of these soft things. Uh, let's get to work. What do we do? I, I, yes, all those ideas and maybe more <laughs> that you said, Adam. You, you know, one of the things, uh, and again, I'm sort of a history of this profession. Um, I, I would say uh, there, there, many years ago in the 50s, uh, a fellow by the name of Douglas McGregor uh, wrote a book called The Human Side of Enterprise, where he uh, postulated a theory. Some of your, you or your readers may be familiar, the so-called theory X and theory Y, and, you know, went through the history of how, you know, organizations started. They were modeled after the Roman Catholic Church and the legions of Caesar, and these were the attitudes and mindset, and he called that X, and then he saw some emerging trends. He called those Y. Well, it, there was an article that was uh, actually published uh, posthumously after his death where he said, you know, um, I, I, I created this theory of theory X and theory Y, and, you know, people started thinking about, you know, camps that, that either you're this or you're that. And he said, I, I think maybe I was really misunderstood. What I was really, you know, trying to get folks to think about is, you know, what are your mindsets? What are your attitudes? And can you make sure that your attitudes are aligned to what you're doing? 
what Peter Drucker called principles and practices. And, and oftentimes, you know, seeing those kinds of things to make sure that they're aligned uh, is what we need to look at. And so, you know, but some of the things we've seen, you know, oftentimes, you know, finding a champion, is there a business unit who would be willing to say, no, I'd like to invest in this. Um, and then, you know, oftentimes then some success, there's one organization that we work with a certain region it is kind of the trendsetter and, and has been successful for many years. And this particular region, after they do something, some of the other people like, oh, what, what, what are they doing over there? And, and oftentimes that becomes sort of a natural rollout for this particular organization. Um, the other thing that that um, there's lots of literature in, in, in some we publish, but many other uh, think tanks and whatnot. Have, have talked about the, the you know the value of a, of a recognition program in terms of again moderating tenure improving customer satisfaction and we'll oftentimes work with our clients to build a performa and just say look if you're going to invest in a program like this can you see an expected return um, with one client um, uh, that we we worked with it was a, a really neat program where they identified sort of five you know unique outcomes for an audience of theirs around uh, safety and and customer interactions and retention and whatnot. And, and uh, they put together a, a five-star program where associates were, you know, did particular things as they earned that, they got a star. And then as they earned those, then they, they got some wonderful rewards that they were able to achieve. And over the years, they, they tracked that very carefully that, um, you know, injuries, uh, OSHA recordables, those kinds of things were lower as a result of the program. Improved uh, interaction with customers were better. And so, uh, you know, it, with regard, at least in the, it, it, well, I guess I, I was going to say in the in the for-profit business, but even in the not-for-profit business, as uh, one of my colleagues says, you know, no margin, no mission. <laughs> uh, you know, we need to build a business case for this or any other kind of important initiative that organizations are doing. And, and I think um, more is uh, uh, that there's been greater emphasis on that, which I think, you know, organizations really ought to embrace. There, there ought to be a business case to say, if we make an investment, could we see improved safety or reduced turnover or better, you know, because we have a more tenured uh, workforce, they're going to take care of our customers and our customers are going to say thank you. And, and, you know, we can feel that emotionally, but we can also measure that in improved uh, net promoter scores. And so, yes, I, I think I think the, the the business case around this is is there, but but we need to establish that. And to your point, uh, sometimes that takes uh, maybe a leader who is willing to step out and say, Let, let's try this and, and see what we can do to to achieve some better results. Yeah, in, in our audience, there wouldn't be the naysayers; they wouldn't be have any interest in this podcast. What we have are champions who are fighting the good fight, if you will. They are looking for those internal sponsors. They're looking for those business unit leaders, and they're looking to build a case. You know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, future state in this respect, and uh, I've narrowed it down to this one concept. I think it's also Peter Drucker. You can't improve what you can't measure, right? So this idea being that if recognition matters as a behavior, and we believe, maybe it's not a belief, we know, right? that it is going to impact performance. Well, if that is the case, how do we measure recognition? Because that now becomes a leading indicator to net promoter scores, to safety, to revenue, to retention, to whatever challenges are facing our organization today or in the future. So Mark, what do you think? Is is the future of people initiatives uh, one where we measure what matters? 
Yeah, I, I, I think you are right that that is uh, is Herr Drucker's, uh, you know, what we count counts. Um, and and I think, again, uh, with technology and other kinds of things, we're in a far better position now to to be able to get data that can be used to create some of those insights uh, just uh, along the line, uh, again, in, in, in reinforcing your thought, uh, my, uh, my colleague uh, and our uh, re managing research director, Amy Stern, did a, did a study in collaboration with a, a client. Um, we, we are helping them with some of their recognition program elements, and they uh, confidentially threw over the fence some of the results of their, their employee engagement survey, uh, their, their version of that. And uh, she did some analysis, and what she found, which was really, really interesting, was that uh, when uh, individuals in the organization were being recognized, at least that we can see through this data, on average about every 90 days, those individuals self-reported employee engagement scores were substantially higher. And so, uh, <laughs> and as we, we reported this uh, to our, our, the person who we provided the research to, um, she looked in, in kind of in the parlance of the pandemic, she said, so, so we need to be giving our associates a, a little recognition booster once a quarter, <laughs> which I, I was like, sure, that, that, that fit. And, and then we've been doing some other research as we look in the organization. They have various, you know, functions and whatnot. You know, okay, it's true for 90 days, for, but but is it that way for their sales organization, their manager group, management group, et cetera? And, and again, as kind of Gartner was saying, you know, as we get some of these things and we're able to predict some of those outcomes, how can we prescribe that? What can we do, again, to get information in a very uh, user-friendly form to leaders to help them, again, um, you know, take action based upon some of those those insights. And again, uh, that was the pattern in, in company A. It might be different in company B or company C. But having that linkage, as you said, of the so-called, uh, you know, service profit chain, that if we do certain kinds of things, people are feeling better about their work experience. And then that turns into outcomes, key business results that we that we we very much uh, desire. Amazing, Mark. Co again, common sense is in common action. A lot of the survey results you're sharing are needed to convince those that need to see the data behind it. But ultimately, foundationally, we feel better about ourselves, right? When we recognize for the work we do, it matters. It speaks to our basic needs, whether you think about a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, any aspect of, of, of human studies will point that it makes a difference. Um, Mark, this has been an amazing conversation. The last question that I'd love for you, again, the folks that are listening in are champions. Um, they're fighting the, the good fight, right, to prove the case, prove the case. And you've mentioned already, find a sponsor, build a business case. What other advice would you give to those that are starting the journey of bringing these uh, human traits, human aspects, bringing humanity into the workplace, starting with recognition? What other advice would you give them, Mark? You know, I, I think uh, along the business case matter, I, I can tell you, you know, we've talked about some outcomes. There could be some others. Um, our research, again, as I mentioned, my colleague Amy Stern, um, uh, we found that, for example, when people are more uh, affirmed and recognized that that uh, they, they feel more included. And so if uh, an organization per perhaps has some uh, emphasis on equity and inclusion, which I, I hope uh, uh, they do that there could be another business case built that way so there's and, and i don't want to make uh you know this feel like uh having a recognition and reward strategy is a panacea for all kinds of business outcomes but it, because it isn't but but you know finding those kinds of things and so oftentimes 
you know, just broadly starting to, to, to have a discussion amongst uh, good, good folks in, in leadership in an organization about what are, the, what are the things that we're trying to drive. And that could be from a marketing position, that could be from an employee position, um, and, and understanding those and then figuring out if there is a place uh, for, for uh, a, a strategy where we, we are doing an even better job of, of affirming the unique uh, strengths and talents and accomplishments of our associates. I, I think those are, those are the, that's where we're going. And, and again, what's wonderful with the proliferation of, of data um, to, to build an evidence-based case, I think is, is becoming more, uh, more straightforward. And, and for someone uh, uh, as I'm finishing out my career to, to see some of these things come to fruition and help uh, folks feel more affirmed. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just an exciting time. Uh, to be uh, to be in this work and and see organizations uh, embrace the importance of of really creating a, a, an awesome, uh, meaningful workplace where, as Dr. Clifton and Dr. Seligman Seligman were hoping that that people's true true gifts and talents can be can be celebrated and affirmed. And Mark, you've contributed to bringing this reality, this reality. So now let's hope organizations embrace it and uh, they scale it, they live it. The journey continues. Look, looking forward to that. And uh, thanks for this time together, Adam. It's been a great pleasure. Same here, Mark. Over and out. Can't wait for our next conversation. Until then. Thanks, folks. Bye.